Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Deanna Minnick. Welcome to the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast, where we explore how you can get some more color, creativity, and healing in your everyday life. We get to look at the spectrum of eating, living, feeling, and creating that you're all about. So let's dive into the inspiration and information rainbow that awaits us. everybody. This is Dr. Deanna. Welcome to another episode of Color Can Heal Your Life. I think you're really going to like this episode with Dr. Daniel Pompa. Dr. Dan is a trained chiropractor who trains other doctors primarily on his cellular healing techniques. He has a cellular detox program. So what I like is that he's really in tune with the benefits of detoxification. That's something I'm also really resonant with. And in this dialogue, we talk about all kinds of things. Primarily, we start from color, we talk about light, and we talk about the connection between light and health, as well as some of the other invisibles, like electromagnetic fields. So I think you're going to like this because there are lots of different things that he tosses in here, very practical things different websites and different uh, tools and so listen closely and uh, one of the things I like at the very end that he said was don't eat less eat less often so here you go you get to listen in to more wisdom from Dr. Daniel Pompa hello everybody and welcome to another episode of color can heal your life where we talk about all things color lifestyle food and health Today we have a uh, wonderful guest who I've been really looking forward to get to know even more, Dr. Dan Pompa. So Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Really nice uh, to to finally have this connection. I know that we've been trying to map this out for some time. So nice to uh, to hear your voice. Yeah. You know, as Glad I mentioned. As I mentioned to you, uh, one of my first questions to all of my guests to kind of get us going, and it's one of those questions that kind of has a physiological and a psychological spin to it, but it's, um, yeah, what is your favorite color? Yellow. Wow. What does it mean? I've (laughs) never, ever had any, anybody uh, say yellow to me except for children. That's Funny, that's that's funny. I knew it was going to be like different, but I didn't know that different. <laughs> well, it, wait, you're going to be excited when I tell you um, what yellow represents, at least from a, a scientific standpoint. Wow. Um, Ma- in Manchester, England, uh, there was a study done some years ago in which they looked at color preferences and mood states, health states of people. And what they found was that people that like the color yellow fared the best in terms of their mood so they weren't anxious or depressed like people that liked other colors and so uh, it tends to mean and I guess we might assume this considering that the smiley face is usually with a yellow face Mm -hmm. uh, that there's a sense of happiness or a sense of radiance or something about being quite sunny wow yeah well that that's good so I I have to say that uh yellow you know just it does make me happy even right like i just love yeah when i was little i remember you know out of all the bikes i had to have the yellow bike and that was true as an adult i bought this really nice beautiful road bike and of course i picked yellow so and and you know 
I, I guess yellow doesn't work for every car, but you know, if I if I got a Jeep, Ferrari, <laughs> Lamborghini, I mean, there's a few that, of course, I would choose yellow. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and in other connotations, yellow is a, a symbol of confidence, power, self-esteem. You know, it really does show that you can radiate. And so when you have a car that's yellow, it's really like, yay, here I am, and, you know, full presence, which is very powerful. It's it's great. I, I have to ask you this, and you're interviewing me, but I can't help but ask this question. But, uh, okay, so I'm colorblind. Does that have anything, uh, you know, to do? Because... You know, certain colors, um, you know, they, I'm blue-green colorblind, so uh, there's like, you know, I don't see well with like shades of certain colors, and yellow just always is yellow to me. Ah, well, there, there could be something to that. Yeah, usually there's that green-red colorblindness that typically occurs in men, but as far as how you would see yellow... I'm sure that there is a ripple through effect. I'm just not sure what that would look like. And I think that, you know, it's just kind of like health. Everything is so personalized. And so your rod and cone distribution in your eye might be uh, fairly unique compared to somebody else who might be colorblind. So it's interesting. Maybe you need a little bit more of a pop with that color in order to um, uh, get your attention if, if other colors are kind of fading. That's a really good point. But it does make me happy, and I, I love yellow, so there's something <laughs> even beyond that, but I just had to ask the question. No, I'm glad you did. You know, um, kind of tangentially, when I've looked at a lot of your material, uh, one of the things, even as I connected to yellow and the sun and diurnal rhythms and thinking about fasting, thinking about being in sync with the light, mm-hmm. you know, Talk with us a bit about this, because this is such a hot topic right now. Really, I, I call it, uh, well, it's in the literature, the whole idea of chronotherapy, chronomedicine, and how this has become one of the next, I would say, frontiers in 21st century medicine. So talk more with us about the influence of that yellow light on our physiology. I, I think that um, as we have moved more out of nature, if you will, we put ourselves under fluorescent lights that do not have a full spectrum. So there's a lack of balance. Remember, the, the body's always trying to find homeostasis. And I, I think the last 20 years, we've learned just how important certain frequencies of light are. And, and we need them all. But we're getting dominance of certain frequencies. And then you add that to the electromagnetic frequencies that we get that have an impact on the cell. Uh, now we've learned that some of these frequencies that we're not getting as much of have a huge impact on helping us balance with the electromagnetic frequencies. To put it simply, you know, our, our cells work via wavelengths, even our receptors on the cells. And when we have an imbalance of them from any type, you know, it goes beyond vitamin D. It goes beyond, uh, you know, getting the need of sun um, as we would think. But yeah, I mean, we needed to create ATP. We needed to detox. We need wavelengths in certain processes in the Krebs cycle, like the cytochrome C pathway, certain shades of red um, affect that. So the yellows, I mean, all of it, there's a balance and you don't want to be out of balance. Simple as that. Okay. So this is completely, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps because this is exactly the area that I love uh, to kind of sit within and learn more about. Uh, What you were saying about wavelengths and receptors on cells responding to frequency, how do we know more about that? I mean, I feel like whenever I'm reviewing the literature, a lot of it's still kind of at arm's length and there's a lot of postulation 
of course we know about the cytochrome chrome is color cytocell and we know that the mitochondria is constantly breaking down chemical bonds of color in order to get energy and that's really what photosynthesis is about is harnessing that light but how do we know what kind of colored light or frequencies or nanometers um, how do we know what we exactly need is there a color prescription yeah you know i mean i i think that you have to be a little careful in the sense that i mean the sun is perfect right it's that perfect full spectrum and of course uh many of my challenged and very challenged clients that um lack energy very sick uh, they do well by putting full spectrum bulbs in their house as opposed to oh the new fluorescence and leds are really strong in one direction uh, versus the full spectrum and their cells really notice a difference but to answer your question you know I, I think when we look at some of the literature it seems like for whatever reason i, I think we there's a lot of reasons here but the red spectrums um, really make a difference for people so you have the near infrared which travels deeper uh, into the body, more so than the far infrared that people use in saunas, which are still great, by the way. Uh, but the near infrared, you really don't see them, but they're there and they penetrate very deeply. Uh, they also help a detox effect. They also help that mitochondria make ATP energy and stimulate that cytochrome C pathway. But then there's the near, um, the, um, the near infrared, I'm sorry, that's what I was talking about, the near infrared, but then there's just the other red spectrums that, um, yeah, I don't want to get into the science. You know, there's, a, I stand in front of a juve light every day that goes from about 600 to 850, I believe, as far as the wavelength spectrum. Um, and that wavelength just seems to make a tremendous difference for myself, even some of my clients that are not able to get their energy out. Athletes do it to recover faster. So why these reds? Perhaps. Um, there's a theory that a lot of the EMF exposure really affects them. So it helps these red spectrums balance us more. Uh, they definitely approach the mitochondria uh, in that energy pathway that is being targeted by so many different types of toxins today. Perhaps it's um, you know the lack of sun or the imbalance from the lights that we're under all day long. So I mean, those are the theories, you know, and we can only read the literature because this is really new science. You know, if you look at Bruce Lipton, you know, he was one of the first. He, he wrote a book called The Biology of Belief, and he was one of the first to say that our thoughts, which is basically a wavelength, right, and can affect our cells and our receptors to our cells and even change our DNA. So we know there's plenty of science. It's a great book. It's a great read. I think even from that, you'll understand, oh, okay, if thoughts are wavelengths, uh, it's energy then surely we under totally understand the energy of light and how color can affect our cells for better or for worse. So there's some science around it. Bruce Lipton would be a great book for people to read. Yeah, Bruce's work is, uh, is really monumental and it really has created a shift in science, I would say, over these past years. Uh, and then there are other people who are talking more about really getting into the photonic aspects of light which again you're one of those people and it's kind of like there's a spectrum within the spectrum right like if we were to blow out that full nanometer of light spectrum we would be looking also at uv we'd be looking at some of the emfs and uh, people always say to me well how do i avoid my emf exposure i mean 
I can't see it, I'm around it, it's pervasive. So I think on that other end of the spectrum, maybe talk a little bit about that too, the more of the, the DNA damage that can occur from some of these harmful rays, whether it's, uh, gosh, a microwave. You know, we have a, an, in our house, we have a Gauss meter. And so one of the things that we did years ago was just go around and, and test to see where we were getting some of um, kind of the spray of, of certain fields in different places. So when we have things plugged in or, you know, we, we sleep with things close to our head. But, you know, you have a whole thing on your website around EMFs, with, which I think is fantastic. And I'd like you to speak a little bit more to that end of the spectrum, too. Yeah, I mean, as you travel, I, I mentioned the red. So imagine, you know, we're on one end of the spectrum. Um, near infrared, red, and you kind of get your oranges, yellows, greens, I and mean, it kind of goes along. Then you have your ultraviolet, uh, which actually we use to kill bacteria, you know, in water, um, even in HVAC systems. I'm just trying to mention some really uses of something. In hospitals, we use this one particular wavelength, and <clears throat> it has such a profound effect on viruses, fungus, um, you know, who would think? You know, we don't want to look into that particular light so as we kind of move around the spectrum, we have wavelengths that are really good and, and beneficial, but then they can become harmful. I, we, we, I, I think all your listeners would understand x-rays, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, x-rays obviously can damage DNA. Um, so that's too much of those. And we're still exposed to them. So EMF is a, you know, it's a type of uh, electromagnetic radiation, and um, it you're typically in front of it and around it. And there's EMF, electromagnetic frequency, even in nature, that's not as damaging as some of the EMF spectrums that man has created without balance once again. So we're getting a large amount of these more than ever, uh, which can affect all of the uh, cells in our body. It can affect all of the other spectrums and wavelengths that we're being uh, experiencing on a day by day. And that's kind of the point I was making. But Okay, let, let's just, where are you getting them? Obviously, your cell phone. Putting a cell phone to your head, I would say, is not a good idea. Uh, uh, you know, look, I, I think you can, there's a, a term called hormesis, and meaning that there's a certain amount of a stress or a toxin that your body actually could become stronger with, kind of like exercise. But then, just like exercise, you could do too much, and then it can become damaging. Um, so EMF, your body can tolerate a certain amount and it may even get stronger. Where that line is is still debated. You'll have guests on your show that are far that draw that line sooner than others. And 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 he wouldn't mind if I say it. I, I hang out with Joe Mercola a lot. Um, his cell phone is in a Faraday bag. <laughs> he brings that thing out and he'll put it on a, a stick, um, uh, you know, two feet from his uh, from his body. Uh, he draws that line much closer than I do. Um, whereas I won't put the cell phone on my ear, but I always put it on speakerphone. So you see what I'm saying? So, you know, but here's what we know. We know that it's damaging to what degree. I think it even depends on the person. If someone's stress bucket is very full, I think that they could be very sensitive even to small amounts of EMF and that could be damaging because they don't adapt to it. But again, Joe's being extra cautious and, you know, maybe a good thing. So, but I think we get exposures like from smart meters. Those are those meters. If you go outside your house, I always tell people, um, if it's not an analog meter, <clears throat> meaning that like the numbers go and you can watch them actually move. If it's digital, yeah, that's most likely a smart meter, which puts off a tremendous 
amount of electromagnetic frequency. And I've had many uh, of my clients not be able to sleep at night, uh, really disrupted in just every aspect of anxiety, stress adaptation. They get rid of the smart meter and their world changes. So that's obviously a big exposure. Um, I do turn my EMF off, my um, Wi-Fi, I should say, um, at night. I, I don't need it. Why? Why get the exposure? And again, I'm trying to limit my chronic exposures. So, I mean, those are the steps that I take. There's something called dirty electricity, the wires that run through your wall. You can literally measure those. And some homes are really dirty, meaning they give off a lot of radiation. And um, there's really easy and cheap uh, things to fix that. And it can lower your dangerous, dirty electricity, which is radiation. So, I mean, I'm just throwing out different exposures for people to think about. But today we have to think about this. Yeah, we do, especially with the toxic burden uh, intensifying. I mean, it's really not just even EMFs, but we've got heavy metals to contend with, endocrine disruptors, phthalates, parabens. It just, it all stacks up. And so EMFs kind of tops it off. And then, um, you know, it's one of those things, again, that people feel out of control with. They get really full of fear. Yeah. And some of the things that you mentioned, I think, were great. I was taking notes as you were mentioning them. So it's basically avoidance, remove as much as you can and get things fixed. And I'm kind of wondering too, if there's anything that we can bring in to mitigate the effects of EMF. So rather than just avoiding, is there something we can bring in to replace or override? You know, there are so many of these different energy devices out there, things, whether everything from, you know, something you put on your cell phone or, and I've always, you know, my science mind kicks into gear when I hear about those things. But then I also think, well, it's not doing any harm and it's usually not a very high price point. And so it's probably not such a bad thing to have, but how do we kind of proactively buffer or protect ourselves from things it, it, are there things that are credible that are out there which have been shown to do that you know i i have a device um matter of fact joe uh, was the one that told me to get it because you know you like to test these things because i agree some of them are really just hype and some of them you know have some uh, component of protection to it right some of these covers that we put our cell phones in they actually do work how do i know i measured it so I have what is called a TES, T-E-S 593 meter. It has this yellow ball on the top. So you <laughs> have the right one. Maybe that's why I like it so much. But um, you can, they're about, uh, I think there's a website called Joy, J-O-Y Frey, um, F-R-Y, Joy Frey, Joy Fry, dot com. Uh, you know, I, I get, they get, you can Google this thing and find it, but that one, the reason I'm trying to remember that website is because um, it's cheaper. You'll pay $500 for this thing. Otherwise, there you pay like, you know, 250 or something. So, mm-hmm. you know, Joy Fay or something like that. Maybe it's F-E-Y. Um, but you can get a device and measure these things. So I've tried a lot of those things that like those little things you put on your phones and I'm going to be honest with you, it really didn't make a difference. You can literally take this device, someone texts you or calls you, and you can see dramatic EMF rise mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, in the scale of what we would consider cell damaging would rise to. You know, I used it. It was a very good help because I went around my house and in my workspace that I'm at every day, um, it was a problem. I, I had a phone that I didn't realize. It was set up to 
be a cordless. So, but because I wasn't using it as a cordless, I didn't think it put on it or anything. And here it was the, a massive EMF exposure. Wow. So I had to get a $50 phone that was probably, that was a more expensive phone just to now that it was like zero. Now I'm plugged in and I'm getting no um, exposure there. So be careful with phones. And then the other big exposure was my darn cordless mouse. So I replaced that, I plugged that in. My computer wasn't really you know, a bad exposure at all. I, you know, so once I took the mouse and the phone off my desk, my exposure was you know, massively diminished. So I, you know, I don't think it's smart to put a laptop on your uh, lap. I mean, you know, men, we have testicles. Uh, not good. They're sensitive to that. Ladies, you have ovaries. You know, and uterus. Not you know, not good to expose those types of tissues. Put a pillow in between. Uh, you know, again, there's just distance is your friend. That's why I use my speakerphone. Distance is your friend when it comes to EMF. So, but if you're there in front of it every day, I want to limit those exposures. And when I turn my Wi-Fi off at night, you know, there's a considerable drop in the general electromagnetic frequency in your house. You, some people just go down and hit the breaker at night and they, you know, they turn their electricity off and they sleep like a baby. How do you know? You can measure this. There's a ring called an aura ring. And this ring that's about oh, 250 to 350 uh, is the price, 250 to $350, depending on which one you get is it's by the way it's o-u-r-a and you can measure your deep sleep and measure you can measure a lot more than deep sleep but it measures um how much time you spend in deep sleep which is your recovery sleep very important and i can tell you that two things I'll give you a tip by staring into your phone or a, um, a laptop or anything that puts out bad light uh, will diminish your deep sleep. Don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. And of course, you've seen the blue blocker glasses where they block the blue shades that deplete melatonin, which allows you to go into the deep sleep. So there's one tip. Either get blue blocker glasses, avoid screens. I mean, at least two, three hours before bed would be wise. They have computer things like one's called um, uh, Iris is a good one you can just install into your computer. If you say, well, I have to look at my computer at night, Iris is a good one. Um, and that they have the same for your phone. And those are, I believe, free. I, if they're not, they're very cheap. It's been a long time, I've downloaded a lot, but it minimizes that bad color that can deplete your melatonin. And then the other big thing is turn off your Wi-Fi and measure your deep sleep. I promise you, you'll get more deep sleep if you minimize the radiation and you, and you be careful with your colors. <laughs> there you go. Love it. Yeah, and efflux is another one too. Um, there That's are a bunch of those out there. Yeah. Let's talk about all things blue. You mentioned blue blocking glasses. Um, I'm thinking about Bluetooth. I'm thinking about the color of blue light. You know, the science on blue is really interesting. In fact, I talk about that within my whole detox book a bit. When you look at when people are exposed to blue light, now this is just the hue of the light. This is not talking about the nanometer per se, but uh, just the color it gives off. And uh, essentially showing that it can help with focus, it can help with concentration, uh, it um, can put people into a more pleasant mood. I think if I was surrounded with blue light, I'd become depressed. I like red. <laughs> I'd rather have the warming colors than the cooling colors. Yeah. But um, 
let's talk about all things blue you know bluetooth i, I see people walking uh, around with that bluetooth device in their ear um i i bought for myself uh one of the the pairs of blue blocking glasses it's kind of strange to wear them quite honestly so you know i just try to do modulation through my environment but what else can we learn about blue you talked about red early on stimulating a lot of things mitochondrially what can we learn from blue well i think it goes like from 450 to around 500 as far as their wavelengths but <laughs> yeah. not that that matters but um yeah i you know it's it's amazing because every color i i think you reference that like colors affect people a little differently so um oftentimes with uh some of my docs with their patients, they will utilize these glasses that um, have specific sound waves that go with them, um, but also the color, and the colors will blink at different frequencies, but the color is significant. So, for example, blue, we tend to, um, people who are hyped up, right? You said you, you would go with too much blue, you'd go into a depressed state. Well, that makes sense, because you know blue, we tend to bring down right? The, a brain that's too active. Blue could work good for someone ADD, um, whereas red would be stimulating. Um, you know, I, you know, can handle the stimulation of red, no problem, right? But there's times of the day where I would maybe want to do, you know, angle towards the blue at night, not the red. Uh, green is very, um, I don't know. I, I like it for creativity, you know, it's um, it, and it's stimulating in a different way than blue. It's a slightly longer wavelength. Um, but yeah, I mean, it to me is probably a little less relaxing than the blue, um, but it's but yet it's not overly stimulating like red maybe to some people. But it's it create it, the mind can be in a creative state with green. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of neat, but it's pretty predictable. Um, but again, the person, depending on what they need in the moment, and some people just generally, you know, can't handle maybe red or blue in your case. Yeah, yeah, it, it is so true. It's personalized, just like everything else within health. And by the day, it could be different, as you're talking about. Uh, I have a sauna where um, I have colored lights in it, and so I can program and saturate myself just even when I'm in the sauna with the different lights and I notice on different days I like different things and usually I like purple but I don't the blue there's something about the blue I don't know I just can't go into that one too easily but you know everything that we're talking about is is very subtle it's very fine we're talking about light something that can be seen but not necessarily always felt and I think it ties really nicely into what you talk about with cellular detox and healing. In fact, I'm kind of glad that uh, there are more people talking about detox because it's one of those areas in healing that gets um, very criticized. Uh, and what I like about your approach with detox is that you take it to the cellular level, which is very consistent with what we've been talking about with the nanometers. It's like looking at the micro in order to understand the macro. So maybe talk more about, you know, how do we know if our cells are healthy? What are some of the steps that we can move through in order to create better cellular health? Because truly it does start there. I know, I know people can talk yeah. about the gut and they can, you know, we hear that within functional medicine all the time. It's all about the gut. But 
I would say it's actually all about the cell. The cell is really the starting place for the magnification of all of the, the tissues, the systems, the, the whole web of our being. So I love it that you focus on the cell. Talk more with us about that. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, of course, in my trainings, I, I train doctors, you know, we, we deal with the microbiome, the gut and the bacteria in the gut. But you're right. Uh, it's, it still comes down to if you want to get well or stay well, you have to fix the cell um, because that's ultimately, remember your gut is cells, your liver is cells, your brain is cells. And typically you have um, when certain functions of the cell are downregulated and really affected by stressors, toxins, the things we're talking about, uh, that's across the board. Uh, you know, bad cell function, whether it's your gut, your brain, is typically bad cell function. And you're right. Uh, my five R's, is, it's been a roadmap. What I started by just teaching doctors. Here's the main things that are going wrong today in the cell uh, that we need to fix to get people well. And I guess it was simple enough uh, that the, the public actually caught on to it and said, yeah, well, I get that. You know, and it was, it literally came from a frustrating lecture that I had with a, a group of doctors and they didn't get it. They didn't get it. I'm trying to bring them to the cell and this is really what we need to focus on to get people well and uh, to turn off genes that get upregulated, et cetera. And I felt like they didn't get it. And on that particular plane ride home frustrated, um, I have to give credit. I'm a faithful guy and I, I have to say I was praying literally and it was you know, it just came from my hand. <laughs> These five R's were written down and they've been taught ever since. That's great. So you have a five-step process. Do you want to uh, kind of bring us to a close in the podcast by, by capping us off with these five steps that you talk about as it relates to cellular healing? Yeah, and everything we've talked about, the light. Um, yeah, that, that too, of course. <laughs> right? that, that's the point. And I would say light applies to every one of these. Um, and, and here it is. And this is the five R's of how you fix a cell, but also how you detox a cell. And I will say real detox, you must, you must upregulate cell function. Otherwise, I, I don't care how many colon cleanses, liver cleanses, coffee enemas you do. And I like all of <laughs> or far infrared saunas. I like those too. Do one. Love it, right? But ultimately, we have to upregulate cell function. All right, number, our number one is you have to remove the sources from your life, uh, meaning that if you have silver fillings, which contain 50% mercury, you're releasing mercury into your brain every day. If you live in a moldy home, uh, I don't care what you do downstream, you've got a problem. So we look at somebody's life and we remove these sources and now we'll get somewhere. Our number two is regenerating the cell membranes. Every cell has an outer membrane and many inner membranes. All of those are how good things move into the cell and bad things move out. That's where all your hormone receptors are, vitamin receptors. You cannot get well without fixing that membrane. You can't detox. I don't care, again, how many colon cleanses you do without fixing these membranes. Critical. You can't upregulate energy in your cell without fixing, for example, the mitochondrial membrane. So. A lot of my teaching goes around that. R3, you have to restore cell energy. So again, people that have a lot of disrupted pathways, that's where light, frequency, and color comes in because that's a biohack around to help the mitochondrial produce ATP. But 
needless to say, I teach a lot of strategies around how to restore that cell energy. And R4 is reducing cellular inflammation, which a lot of my dietary stuff, um, a lot of other strategies we do for that very purpose. If you don't reduce that inflammation, again, you're not going to have real detox. And lastly, is reestablishing methylation. Methylation plays big into detox, detoxing even toxic hormones, turning off bad genes. I mean, I could go down a whole list of why methylation is depleted in so many people today. It's an epidemic within the epidemic. We have to reestablish that. So those are the five R's. I teach it to doctors, but again, the public caught on as well. Yeah, no, they're very, um, it's a nice flow. So remove the source, regenerate the cell membrane, restore cellular energy, reduce inflammation, establish methylation. I'm kind of curious, um, you know, I think that these are all wonderful ways to navigate and to improve our health. So how do you know if your cells aren't optimal? Are there certain tests that you like to do with patients where yeah. you, whether it's live cell, I don't know what your technique is in terms of determining function. If you're looking at standard labs, if you're looking at, uh, yeah, what, what's your method? I'm, I'm kind of curious. You could look at things like C-reactive protein, shows general mm -hmm. inflammation, right? And, and homocysteine is another, you know, standard test in a blood test that can show methylation, at least part of it. But there's another one, a very cheap test. Uh, you know, it's literally, it, it's uh, under $100. It's a meta-oxy test, and it measures the oxidation or inflammation of the cell membrane. Um, you can purchase that on my website. Here's another one. It's called Phase Angle. It was funny because I, I said I, I hang out with uh, Joe Mercola a lot two weeks ago. He brought his little Phase Angle machine, and we were measuring everybody in the room. And the phase angle is a way to measure the integrity of the cell and the cell membrane and the function. So I have to boast, I, I took first place. So Ooh, good job. <laughs> anyway, I mean, those are some cool ways to, you know, to look in uh, the function of the cell membrane. Uh, you know, and, and again, I, I hormone um, hormones today, everyone's taking bioidentical hormones. It's really in vogue, but mm. unless we fix the cell, the cell membranes is where the hormone receptors are. Uh, you will not fix your hormones. So it, it is really important to look at the integrity of cell function. You know, I have kind of a specific uh, final question for you, and uh, I'm kind of curious. I don't know what came to my mind, but as you're talking about cell membrane, energy, inflammation, what comes to my mind is omega-3 fatty acids. I'm really looking at the fatty acid composition of the body. And um, I'm kind of curious. You know, I I did my whole PhD dissertation on essential fatty acids, so I got to know the different fats more mm -hmm. intimately. And I'm, you know, it seems like people have become enamored with taking fish oil supplements. And I'm just curious to get your view if there's also too much of a good thing that could be happening with that too. Oh boy, we're gonna open up Pandora's <laughs> box. I, I mean, I, I don't I, even know how you feel about it. I just yeah, well, I'm intuitively surprised. feel like asking you about Answer, that. <laughs> I, this won't shock you, but it'll shock others. Yeah, I'm not a fish oil fan. Um, never, ha you know, have been for many years. Um, but here's the thing: you have to understand. So, you know, ironically enough, I'm going to keep going back to this. So that phase angle test. One of the things we concluded by all the people in the room, and there were some very healthy people. Uh, the healthiest levels actually, no doubt, consumed less DHA and definitely more omega-6 like phosphatidylcholine. 
Uh, omega-6 plays a way more important role in the cell membranes. That's not my opinion, that's science. So you could disagree with me on the fish oil thing, even though I, I've looked at this deeply. However, the omega-6 is far more important. DHA plays very little role um, in the cell membrane. So I believe we the getting quality omega-6 is the big deal. And it's very hard because vegetable oils and everything, that's crappy omega-6. Um, you know, all this, the corn, the soy, that's all bad omega-6. We need good quality omega-6 to have a good quality cell membranes in cells. Wonderful. Dr. Pompa, why don't you leave us with uh, two things? One is uh, a pearl of wisdom. So something that if you were in an elevator with somebody, you'd want to leave them with something in 30 seconds. And the second thing is leave us with your, your website and anything else that you'd like us to know about keeping in touch with you. Yeah, I'll give you that, then I'll give you the pearl. Uh, so you can go to DR, like Dr. DR, and then my last name, P-O-M-P-A.com. So drpompa.com, and I do a podcast. I am Cellular Healing TV. So there you go. There's how you can get up with me. Uh, you know, I would say this. In an elevator, and this has happened before, you hear, you know, people have health, dip, you know, health things, and they oftentimes share them. I can't lose weight. Here's my advice. Don't eat less, eat less often. Think about that, think about that, because that's how ancient tribes and cultures really stay healthy. Don't eat less, eat less often. There you go. Wow, I like it. I just wrote that down. That That's uh, very memorable. I want to thank you so much. This has been great. It's a great getting to know you. It's a nice to have a window into uh, your paradigm of color and wavelength frequency it's nice to be able to share that with you so thank you so much and i'm so excited for everybody to be checking out what you've got to offer with cellular healing tv and uh, your website dr pompa so thank you so much yeah i loved it thanks for having me